the words of my lips and the thoughts of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, Lord Jesus Christ, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, firstly, I just wanted to officially record my thanks to Morris and to the staff in CITI for allowing me to address you here this morning. I'm sure some of you may be wondering why we had the Gospel reading of the Transfiguration, but as I was assured, there was no um, Sunday morning service here on Transfiguration Sunday. The lectionary this morning allowed me the option um, of having the Transfiguration as our Gospel reading today. Interestingly, our second reading this morning, which Gareth just read for us, was part of a passage which I preached um, in our homiletics class way back in October 2020. Remembering that day reminds me how good it is that we are here in person. On that occasion, in the middle of a lockdown, I preached to my classmates from my sitting room. My three teenagers were well warned in advance. <laughs> Stay off all devices. Um, you know, mom has a big deal on this morning. Nevertheless, my screen froze on presenter view in Zoom. And I preached my entire sermon to a frozen image of padded space. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, I likened the experience to appearing on an episode of The Apprentice and presenting to Lord Sugar, which unfortunately led to Paddy being dubbed as Lord Sugar for a little while, so I'm sorry about that, Paddy. Um, but that experience has made me appreciate all the more seeing Paddy's lovely face, not frozen, and everybody else's face in person here this morning. So I've been pondering and mulling over St. Luke's account of the Transfiguration and reflecting what we might learn from it for our own spiritual pilgrimage. I believe St. Luke offers us really vivid imagery of Christ's divinity and the disciples, particularly Peter's humanity in this passage. So the subject of identity I believe, is to the forefront in today's Gospel reading. In order to appreciate the indicators pointing towards Christ's divine identity, I believe it's important to consider this passage in its context in Luke's Gospel. Jesus had only a short time earlier fed the 5,000, provoking much discussion about his identity. The disciples themselves, in discussing who Jesus was, it culminated in Peter's declaration, illustrated earlier in this chapter, that Jesus was the Messiah of God. Christ responded to Peter's declaration, referring to himself as the Son of Man, and foretelling of his passion, death, and resurrection to his disciples. It's following on from this encounter that we find Jesus taking time out on the mountain to pray with Peter, James, and John. St. Luke 
depicts Christ's face and whole appearance changing as he is praying. I personally think his face must have shone like the sun in that moment. God's divine light must have been visible in Christ's face. It's such a beautiful image to hold in our minds, especially as it comes right before Jesus has a conversation about his forthcoming passion and death with Moses and Elijah. Ironically, Christ's face will again be altered, but drastically this time on a hill in Calvary as it is racked with agony and abandonment in the redemption of the whole of humanity. Moses and Elijah's appearance with Jesus unites and fulfills the whole of Hebrew scripture, the law and the prophets. God the Father affirms Christ's identity in this mountaintop encounter, as he had at Christ's baptism, that Jesus, the disciples' leader and friend, is indeed the Son of God. There's no room for ambiguity for the disciples when they directly encounter God shrouded in a cloud. Jesus is divine, the Messiah, the chosen one who will suffer for the redemption of humanity. God, God commands the disciples to listen. I don't think there is any fear that they wouldn't listen in that moment. Their reaction of terror and silence in itself depicts the disciples' humanity present alongside Christ's divinity. Apart from terror, I wonder what the three disciples were thinking when they descended from the mountain after this encounter. Unlike St. Matthew's account of the Transfiguration, the disciples are not offered an explanation or any reassuring words from Jesus in the immediate aftermath. As Jesus and the disciples descended from the mountain, the disciples must have been silently mulling and pondering over Christ's divine identity and considering what exactly the future was going to hold for their leader, the Messiah. Jesus himself, immediately after he descends from the mountain, is met by a crowd and begins again to heal and speak of his passion to the disciples. So the transfiguration undoubtedly affirms Christ's divine identity. However, I really believe it also provides rich insight into the humanity of the disciples in Christ's earthly life. If Jesus needed to meet with Moses and Elijah, we have to assume he could have done it alone, but he didn't. So there's certainly a reason why he took his closest friends up to the top of the mountain with him. I love that the gospel writers are so explicit about the disciples' humanity. I think reflecting on their human identity and Christ's divine love for them gives us great encouragement in our own relationship with Jesus. As students of CITI, the knowledge that Jesus loves us 
and wants us to be in right relationship with him. And the fact that he chooses to work through our imperfect and vulnerable humanity, I believe should both encourage and enable us on our spiritual journey and our service in his kingdom. St. Luke tells us that the three disciples are tired. No surprise for everybody in, gathered in this morning. We all know what that feels like, trying to juggle education, family, home life, work life, everything that's involved. But Peter in particular gives me great insight into how Christ can transform a very ordinary individual life into extraordinary discipleship. Peter, the rock on which the church is built, is a complex character. He displays divine insight one moment, and then he completely messes up the next. And yet, God chooses to do amazing things through Peter. Peter, not knowing what to say, verse 33 tells us, when he witnesses the enormity of Christ's glory with Moses and Elijah, begins to babble nervously. I'd be well known for it myself. <laughs> this is perceptive Peter, who had previously declared Christ's divine identity, now in a crucial moment starts to talk about building houses for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. But here's the thing. I wonder, is St. Luke portraying a nervous, babbling Peter? Or is he depicting a deeply insightful and emotional Peter who is trying to prolong this precious encounter between Jesus, Moses, and Elijah? Whichever reaction it is, Jesus doesn't rebuke Peter. When the three disciples are caught up in the cloud with Jesus, God reveals again Christ's divine identity and tells them to listen. I wonder, did recollection of this divine encounter sustain Peter, James, and John as they were plunged into the darkness that followed at Calvary. We simply don't know, but we do know that Peter treasured this experience in his heart because he recorded it in his second letter in chapter one, verses 16 to 18. Peter's reaction to the revelation of Christ's divinity can present a double challenge for us today. I wonder if we're honest with ourselves, can we consider how often in our encounters with Jesus have we been so busy telling him what we need in prayer that we miss the insight into his majesty, which comes with awe-inspiring worship. Perhaps in this Lenten season, it may be a time for us to refocus on our personal relationship with God. A time to be totally submitted to the Lordship of Christ, 
to be still and listen more attentively as he commanded the disciples at the transfiguration. Alongside this, I believe we're challenged to leave the safety of the mountain as Jesus and the disciples did and be present in the word, a word which seems especially broken to us at the moment. When we, like Peter, encounter special moments of divine revelation, our natural human reaction may be to want to build a dwelling for ourselves and Jesus and stay in that moment forever. But our faith is not meant to be a form of escapism. We're called to witness amid this broken world that Jesus is divine. He is God's Son, the Chosen One, the Saviour of the world. Finally, it really strikes me how privileged we are to have the freedom to worship and reflect on this divine encounter and to consider how it can enrich us in our own spiritual pilgrimage. Jesus undoubtedly had a special relationship with Peter, James, and John. I believe that every one of us, as students in CITI, are given a really unique and special opportunity to build relationships with each other in community, to find our own Peter, James, and John in our community. So it is my prayer as we journey through this Lent together, that we'll be fully awake, listening for and recognizing the light that is Jesus in all his divine glory, as we witness in the darkness of our broken world that our hope is in Jesus, God's only Son, our Lord, the Chosen One.